As we prepare our hearts and minds to hear the word of God, let us pray together. Holy and incredible Lord, you have brought us here today at this moment for this special and particular word to be heard deeply in our hearts and in our spirits. Open us up, Lord. Open us so that we can hear the truth in what you have for us this day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The first reading of our morning together comes from the book of Amos. We'll look at chapter 8, verses 4 through 6. Hear... (coughs) I'm going to start over. (laughs) Hear this, you who trample the needy, and do away with the poor of the land, saying, Oh, when will the new moon be over that we may sell grain, and the Sabbath be ended that we may market wheat, skimping on the measure, boosting the price, and cheating with dishonest scales, buying the poor with silver, and the needy for a pair of sandals, selling even the sweepings with the wheat. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We are continuing in this summer sermon series on the Sabbath, the fourth commandment out of the Ten Commandments. Uh, Commandments we have said in, in some ways it's like dusting off an old relic. We don't really look at it or consider it all that often, and and yet it's all over Scripture. It is mentioned more times in Scripture than all of the other nine commandments combined. It is one of the feature items about which Jesus and the religious leaders tussle over. And really, when you look at the whole of Scripture, you see there are just so many angles and ways to consider what the Sabbath is all about and the way it has implications and truths for us to consider as a people of God. So many so that that you really can do a summer series just looking at all of those angles. Today, we look at the gift of the Sabbath and its relationship to multitasking. The New Testament passage we have is Matthew 6, verses 24 through 25 and verse 33. This is Jesus speaking in the midst of the Sermon on the Mount. No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or to be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. The word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. A few years ago, I took a class in New Mexico alongside eight other Protestant pastors. It was taught by a Franciscan priest. It was a wonderful experience, memorable experience, but the thing in many ways I remember most as I look back on that class was how the priest would begin each class. He would read a verse or two of scripture and then he would turn this timer to the 20 minute mark and let it go. And for 20 minutes we would all sit in complete silence. 
The invitation in light of the scripture we had just heard was to open ourselves and receive whatever God might have for us. To hold that 20 minutes open. And now if you peeked in the room at any given time in those 20 minutes, you would have thought the future of the church looks so hopeful. Look at these women and men. They, they attend the scripture and they have this solemn, attentive presence. Look at their humble silence. Look at the, the peace on their face. And I will tell you, every single day, it took no more than 10, maybe 20 seconds before my mind had entirely left the room. I still need to call the car insurance company. I owe them, any, I owe them a call tonight. What are we going to do for dinner tonight? Is the item we were looking at for sale, does the sale end tonight? Or I'd start to think back about some situation I was in the middle of and it had gone poorly and I was worried about it and so I was playing out all the ways we needed to fix it and go about it. It it was like my brain could not help but do sprints in every direction trying to plan something, do something, take care of something. I was 100% at rest. And 100% not at rest. The people in Amos' day are taking a Sabbath. They're resting from their work. They are not in motion. And yet Amos declares that their minds are sprinting everywhere. When will the new moon, a festival, be over that we may sell grain? When will the Sabbath be ended that we might market wheat? Festival, Sabbath, though it may be, all they can think about is getting back to the marketplace. In fact, they're spending their Sabbath resting, but then internally planning, even scheming. How are we going to make some profits? They're writing mental business notes for how this is all going to unfold once they're allowed to work. Amos says some of their plans include thinking about how they're going to skimp on measurements, boost prices, cheat with dishonest scales. To be sure, Amos is writing in a way that that parodies these people. God's people are, are, are likely not sitting around thinking, boy, I cannot wait to trample on the poor with all of my dishonest ways. But in their Sabbath rest, they're most definitely focused on the more they need to do over there, the more they need to get over there, the more they need to make over there, however they need to bring those things together. They are doing the one thing, but then their mind is also scattered in a host of other worries and concerns about more. Unaware or or just callous to how others might be trampled in the anxious frenzy. Walter Brueggemann argues that what we have here in Amos 8 is an ancient case of multitasking. Doing two or more things at the same time. Sabbath and planning for profits. God and money. At root, Brueggemann says multitasking is, quote, the drive to be more than we are, to control more than we actually do. Multitasking is in some ways a positive and negative term in our day. Many will put it on their resumes to underscore their ability to get a lot done in a short period of time. They are eminently... Productive and efficient is what they're saying. Two of the great values of our time. Truth be told, two of the great idols of our time. But they are underscoring the fact that they can do more, make more happen, get more, because they can kill two or three or a dozen birds with one stone. 
more is the multitasker promise. What scientists have found, as many of you know, is, is that you can't actually do two or more things at once. What you can do are, are a couple things. You can do what's called background tasking, where you are doing something and something else is happening in the background, like you're studying. And you can do focused study while having music on in the background and being generally aware of the music. Background tasking. But the brain can't actually multitask and focus attentively on two or more things. The term for what is actually happening when we are, so think we're multitasking is switch tasking. We're never doing all of the things at once, but always switching our attention from one thing to the other. And now the brain can move pretty darn fast, so it may feel like multitasking, but what's really happening is, is the brain just keeps shifting. And the more the brain shifts that way, the less the brain is wholly focused on any one thing. And so David Meyer, a cognitive scientist at the University of Michigan, it boils it down to simple things. Writing an email while talking on the phone. Driving a car while talking on the phone. What you're really doing is always going back and forth between the two, which means inevitably one or the other is going to suffer probably both. I mean, one of the ironies of multitasking, aside from the fact that it's, it's not a real thing, is that it, it promises to deliver more, and in truth, it makes us less productive. The more it does deliver on is tiredness. Each switch takes the brain a little bit of energy to do the switch. No big deal, but that adds up as we keep at our attempts to multitask and do more and be more than we are and each time we switch the focus uh, the time it takes to focus and refocus gets a little longer just just a tad bit harder we're ever slowing down tiring and by the way when are we our most anxious our most disagreeable When is the church most prone to sin, failure, forgetfulness? When are we, quite frankly, tempted to dishonest business practices? Or going with the flow because we just don't have the moral resolve? Is it not so often when we are tired? No wonder the poor are trampled in Amos 8. Tired people are anxious and frazzled, and they have not eyes or hearts to see or time to see the the, the poor and, and how their decisions affect the poor. No wonder people in our time who are making more and more money and acquiring more and doing more and, and being more will sometimes say, I am killing it. They do not know just how precise their language is. The nonstop Multitaskers are, in fact, killing their soul. And actually, the people who they no longer see because they have neither the time or energy or ability to consider who gets trampled in our anxious frenzies. And, as helpful, and really as necessary as computers and phones are in our time, I must say there is an aspect of them that is terrifying insofar as they do quietly reiterate 
day by day that you can do and you can be more than you are. You can email and shop and get reminders about the event tonight and watch the silly video and get your news and track your finances all on this multitasking miracle. Such a perfect product for society that believes deeply in the myth of multitasking because we are captive to having, being, doing, making ourselves, making more. Now these technologies, they're harnessing multitasking in new ways, but the truth is multitasking is an ancient temptation. It is the temptation to take the fruit from the tree, to be more than our limit, to be like God. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot receive the gift of the Sabbath and be planning for more, getting more, doing more. The heart cannot multitask. It really is one monotask or the other. And perhaps for each of us at some point the bottom falls out. Maybe we lose everything from having thought we could do an infinite juggle. Or maybe we hit burnout. Or maybe we finally miss that critical appointment or that really special occasion amid all the multitasking. Or in our tiredness, we press send on an email that should never have gone out. Or we have an anxiety attack. We literally feel our health shifting. Or maybe, like Amos's, people of Amos' day, perhaps we run into a moment where something or someone shows us that for some time now, though we've been keeping up appearances, honestly, all we've really been thinking about are weights and measures, stats and stocks, markets and sales. And missed entirely Christ himself, who is in and among the naked, the hungry, the imprisoned. One way or another, perhaps the the bottom eventually falls out of the myth. And we see we've bought into that ancient lie that we have no limits. All we need are better tools and to be more efficient. And, And in that space of humility, I think we can hear God's word again. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. All these other things will be added unto you. Seek ye first is an invitation to know the beauty and depth and life known in monotasking. It is an invitation to know the joy of limits. A singular attentiveness upon the kingdom for who we are made in response to God and Jesus Christ. Whose singular attention and focus has always been on us and for us. Seek ye first the stuff that honors me, the ways that honor me, Sabbath, kindness, gratitude, justice in your workplace and your neighborhood, prayer, contentment, honesty, forgiveness, 
Seek ye first the things of the kingdom of God. And so by extension, say, say no to all the other multitasking items that, that crowd and beg to be prioritized because they always appear to be ever so urgent. Seek ye first, prioritize first, and, and all the other concerns, actually, they will be added unto you. It, it will be worked out. It will be handled Trust me with it. See what happens when the priority is in this monotask as I have prioritized you. In recent days, I have found this surprising joy for myself in the simplest of observations. It is watching Leo, our two-and-a-half-year-old, build blocks. Because he will take two blocks and he will make sure they are just so and secure. And then he will look for another block and not just any block. He's looking for the red block and it needs to go just so. And then he takes a moment to look at it. He scans for another block. There are no noisemakers. There's no fancy toys. It's really the simplest of things. But I marvel at the attentiveness. There is this steadfast seriousness. But also this beautiful joy. This freedom to be present in a way that actually makes this little two-year-old fill the whole room. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God, whoever does not seek first the kingdom of God like a little child, shall not enter it. We sometimes worry that a singular focus on the kingdom of God and the few things God has entrusted to us, the few gifts God has entrusted to us, we think that might diminish us. We think things are going to fall through the cracks and other people who depend on us for all the things we do, they're going to be disappointed. And and of course, we're going to be disappointed if we don't keep up with all the things that everybody needs and I need. But in fact, when the church has a singular focus, there is paradoxically an expansive joy and energy, and generosity, and creativity that is known. The poor in particular are not blessed by a busy church, but a church whose hearts are expansive enough to actually see and know the poor. Officers among us who answer the ordination question, will you seek to serve the people with energy, intelligence, imagination, and love? That answer is not pursued most faithfully, creatively, and boldly by trying harder, taking on a few more things. Actually, by doing less and starting with the monotask of hearts attentive to the living God. You start to see how receiving the Sabbath is a beautiful practice, but an urgent practice in our multitasking time. Where we are increasingly diminished and yet called as a people to be increasingly expansive in our way of being and our heart for the world that mirrors and witnesses to God's heart for the world. Two weeks ago, I, I mentioned attending alongside some of you, Won't You Be My Neighbor, the Mr. Rogers film that is out in theaters right now. 
In one scene, it shows how Fred Rogers, in a, in a certain episode a number of years back, was trying to teach the children about a minute in time. He asked them, do you want to know, well, do you want to know about how long, do you want to know how long a minute is? And then he does something unheard of on children, uh, unheard of on television for children, and that is where, where things always are moving and going and busy and colorful. He gets out an egg timer, he winds it up, and he lets it go for 60 seconds. And I'm thinking to myself, how boring. Didn't all the children change the channel? I would change the channel. But now, watching Leo, I see this as part of Mr. Rogers' genius. He had a profound respect for children. Their ability to hold attention on one thing and be utterly engaged. He saw it not as something children hopefully can outgrow and and multitask. No, he wanted to affirm the beauty of that gift. As a Presbyterian minister himself, I don't think Fred Rogers would argue with me that what he was teaching them is that that gift is in fact a godly gift. And so this day, what if we who have perhaps outgrown the simple treasure of monotasking. What if we took a few moments on this Sabbath day to discover afresh that we are still the children of God? That Jesus this day still seeks each of us with a singular focus and invites us to seek his kingdom in the same way and and all these things shall be added unto you. What if we did that? And so In a moment, I'm going to wind this little egg timer that Christopher very helpfully brought me today for one minute. And we'll do as I once did in New Mexico. And we'll sit in prayerful silence and let the Holy Spirit do what we cannot do, and and that is birth us anew as children. Now, I know that many of us in this sanctuary are recovering multitask addicts. We are works in, the prog- in progress, even with the spirit at work in us. And so our brains will start running outside of this sanctuary five or ten or twenty seconds into this. Don't beat yourself up. Just practice. And when you find the mind wander and race and all the rest, just say silently within yourself the word grace. And let that help you draw again before the living God and whatever God may have for you. And if you have to say grace 40 times in one minute, fine. Let God bless you. Know the gift of entering the kingdom of God as a child once more on this Sabbath day.
Amen.